that you're here. Hopefully you grabbed a worship guide on your way in to take some copious notes to help your relationship. I can't wait to dive into this series. And uh, out front, there was a photo backdrop so you can uh, take a picture with your spouse. There are some pink gloves and red gloves. I don't care who wants to wear what gloves, but those are not couples therapy. Like, all right, this is what we're talking about. Let's go at it. No, no, it's for a picture. All right, it's not, not nothing more than a picture. Just have some fun with it and uh, just tag the church in the picture and just have a good time with that. But we're uh, doing a series entitled Fight Night. And ah, I'm a little bit worried about this series because I don't know if it's really all that relevant. Um, I mean, you probably never have conflict. So since you don't have conflict, I don't really know if this series is really all that relevant. So let's pray. And you're going to go to lunch early and we're going to be spent. No, right? We're like, no, there's conflict everywhere. What are you talking about? Like, you don't even have to be in a relationship. You're going to experience conflict. Hey, you can go to work, and there's going to be conflict. You can go and be with your kids. There's going to be conflict. I mean, conflict's just kind of everywhere, isn't it? You don't have to go looking for conflict. Conflict finds you. Conflict just seems today just to kind of come out of nowhere, and it just kind of is there. So when we talk about conflict, conflict is relevant. But how many of you, you're tired of conflict cutting through your relationship? Can I see your hand? Yeah. Because that's what often happens, doesn't it? As soon as you get in conflict, it just seems like it cuts the relationship in half. Like, I mean, um, it's funny. Uh, my wonderful wife will say, hey, where do you want to go to eat? And um, I'll say, oh, I really feel like seafood. She's like, hmm, anything but that. Okay, all right, not a problem, not a problem. Uh, Let's do Applebee's. Hmm, anything but that. And I was like, hmm, it's funny. Uh, You asked me where I want to eat. Apparently, I don't want to eat anywhere. And uh, 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 after a couple times of this, I finally stopped and I said, hey, where do you think I want to eat? And all of a sudden, it solved it. It was so easy. Conflict was dealt with just like that simple. But isn't it interesting? You can just get into conflict just by talking about where to eat. I mean, it just doesn't take much to get into conflict. But too often, conflict cuts up the relationship. But through this series over the next four weeks, we want to cut through conflict. That's what we want to do. Because I believe that fight night, fighting is a part of the relationship. I was scared to death because it didn't take long once I got married almost nine years ago for there to be an argument, for there to be a fight. And I thought, man, my relationship is doomed. We're already fighting. We're on the honeymoon and we're fighting. I didn't know till later when I talked to other couples, they were like, that's totally normal. That's totally normal. I mean, you get on the airplane and we hadn't pre-decided who's getting the window seat. We're getting on the airplane to go on our honeymoon and it's a little battle. It's like, no, I get motion sickness. Well, I want to see the scenery. Well, you're just going to sleep. So who cares you know if you get the window you know all of a sudden conflict just starts happening and it just kind of comes out of nowhere and maybe you're wondering where does conflict come from I'm here to tell you conflict the bible says in james says where do wars and fighting come from they come from within you conflict just starts within and so many of us we're thinking okay fight night i get the whole thing that he's going to go with the series he wants us when we fight we fight fair that's what we're going to do we're just going to fight fair in our relationship so what is fair is we split the money 50 50 what is fair is you make sure that you don't take too much of the bed and what is fair is that you're going to watch the kids 50 percent of the time and i'm telling you what if you're going for fair in your relationship your relationship is going to be jacked up all right if you're going for fair like, it just doesn't work. Well, we're 50-50 on everything. No, no, no. Uh, relationship is all about sacrifice, and sacrifice is I bring 100, you bring 100. That's what it is. And so we're going to dive into that over the next several weeks, and uh, we're using this, and it's not about fighting fair. It's about fixing the fight. 
You ever heard of a fight being fixed? Some of you are like, yeah, I just watched the uh, Merriweather and uh, McGregor fight. That was fixed. You know, that, that just, that, that fight didn't go well. I was waiting for McGregor to get frustrated and just roundhouse kick uh, Merriweather. And that would have been entertaining. That, I would have paid for that. That would have been good. But it didn't happen. And you're like, well, the fight was fixed. And I'm telling you, you're going to fight with your significant other. But why don't you fix the fight? Fix it in such a way so that you know the relationship's going to win. Because oftentimes we get into a relationship, and guess what happens? When we fight, it breaks or damages the relationship. So now let's set it up that, hey, we're going to fight, but we're going to fight for the relationship. Let's look at this differently. Let's look and see how what God would have us to do. And so that's what we're going to learn about. And we're going to look at a book. And I told my wife, I said, hey, I think I'm going to do this marriage series or this relationship series out of the book of Esther. And she was like, no. No, really? I was like, yeah. I was like, it's awesome. You got a tyrannical king who divorces his wife. Actually, he like kicks her out of the kingdom because she won't do one thing, one thing that he asked her to do. And then all of a sudden he has this across his kingdom. He gathers all the young pretty girls and has this beauty contest. And he's going to pick the prettiest one of the one he likes the best. I was like, this is a great relationship series. Like, this is perfect. You know, I was like, it gets married people. It gets uh, divorced people. It gets single people. It just shows that we're all messed up. Like all of us, like we all have these issues and it's kind of throws it in one. And so some of you are familiar with the book of Esther, but if you're not, we're going to go there. Now you say, I don't know where the book of Esther is. That's fine. Open your Bible to Proverbs, which is kind of in the middle and then go left. You'll see Job right before Job is Esther. And if you didn't bring your Bible, then wow, this is church. No, I'm just kidding. And it'll be up on the screen and it'll be on your mobile device. You can download the app and uh, the Bible app and just pull it up because I want you to see it because this is really an unusual text because at this time in the nation of Israel, their history, there's about 50,000 uh, Jewish people living in this kingdom. The rest had gone back to Jerusalem and so there's about 50,000 left. We're going to meet a beautiful character by the name of Esther. But before we get there, we kind of kind of look at chapter one of this book. We're going to kind of go a little bit lengthy because I want to lay the foundation for this relationship series. I just want to lay it so that we can kind of have something to build off of because I'm going to hand you some really practical tools today and I'm going to keep it really bottom shelf for us, but I want to lay the foundation. Let's pick it up in verse number one. Here's, we're going to get a little backstory on this guy named Xerxes. The Bible says, now in the days of Ahasuerus, also called Xerxes, who reigned from India to Ethiopia, over 127 provinces. In those days, the palace where King Ahasuerus sat on the royal throne of the kingdom was in Susa. In the third year of his reign, he prepared a feast for all his officials and his servants. So the army commander of Persia and Media, the nobles and the officials of the province were before him. He unveiled the riches of his glory his kingdom and the cost of luxury of his greatness for many days 180 days six months they're going to have a party that is a party for six months they're going to party now history tells us that what was happening is xerxes about three years into his reign and his goal was to do what his father couldn't do his father wanted to take over and occupy greece and so scholars tell us that the reason that he had a six-month party wasn't so much just a party it's he's trying to gather up the strength of his entire nation and they're going to strategically plan out how they're going to invade greece and you're going to see this invasion take place between chapter one of esther and chapter two of esther And so many people believe that this was him strategizing and he's getting his generals and everybody together. Verse 10, the Bible says on the seventh day, because he's going to throw a seven, at at the end of six months, he's going to throw a seven day feast. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abiktha, Zethar, and Kararchus, great baby names. If you're expecting, just letting you know, these haven't been taken. 
No, I'm telling you, you'd be the only baby with that, that name. All right, these, I'm trying to help you. God bless you. These are great. All right, you don't have to worry about anybody taking your baby's name. And uh, the seven eunuchs attending the needs of King Ahasuerus. Here's what King Ahasuerus said. He said, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with the royal crown to unveil her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful. But Queen Vashti refused to come, and the king commanded, delivered by his eunuchs. Therefore, the king grew very angry, and his wrath burned within him. In verse number 11, we see the conflict. Verse 11. Here's the king. He's had seven days where he's just getting drunk, getting wasted, and all of a sudden, he's now asking for his wife. Now, the reason she didn't come, two reasons— Scholars believe because when the king said, hey, come wearing the crown, he literally meant that's all I want you to be wearing, okay? So that's part of it where it's her dignity, where she's saying, I'm not doing that. You guys have been drunk and you guys have been wasted. No, that's no nothing good is going to come of that. The other side being this, that it was undignified for her to be there and she was actually protecting his reputation. That's why she has all the women. It's just all the men. And and and, and that way, that just how it's supposed to be. It's a, it's a segregated society society back then and she was like no i'm actually protecting you so immediately here's this couple and there's conflict how many of you know as soon as you get a couple together there's going to be conflict can i see a witness amen doesn't take long right you get a couple of people together there's conflict and here we see the conflict but we're going to see how vashti deals with the conflict so let's pick it up verse number 13 then the king spoke to the wise men now when there's conflict too often, this is what we're guilty of. We don't go to the person who can help solve the conflict. We go to our buddies. Typically, typically. She goes to her gal pals, he goes to work, or he goes to uh, hang out with the guys, and all of a sudden, oh man, my old lady. Oh man, my moron of a husband. And it just starts, and it just goes. And this is a sermon. You don't want to nod your head and say, man, otherwise you look guilty. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. You can't. And uh, so here he goes. And here's what the Bible says. It says, who understood the times. These aren't pastors. These aren't marriage counselors. These aren't people that are going to help the relationship. And I find that single people do this a lot. They're like, oh, I'm single. I want to have a good relationship. So they go talk to other single people. Oh, yeah, I think you should do that. Oh, yeah, no, do this. And I'm thinking, man, that's the dumbest thing. They don't know anything about a relationship. They're, they're not going to help you. And so when you want to get in a relationship, talk to people who have been married 20, 30 years. Hey, how did you guys work that relationship? How did you guys grow in that relationship? But here's the king. He's talking to his wise men who understood the times. For in this way, the king would speak before all that understood law and judgment. Those nearest him were uh, uh, Karshina, Shethar, Abatha, Tarshish, Meres, Marcina, and and Memukin. They were the seven princes of Persian media on the king's closest confidence who met with the king and held the highest rank in the kingdom. And this is what they said. According to the law, what should be done about Queen Vashti because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus when it was delivered by the eunuchs. Verse 16, Memukin, this guy, he speaks up. He answered before the king and the princes. He says, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also... She's wronged all the princes, and she's wronged all the people in all the provinces of the king of Hazareras. This guy's a little bit dramatic, isn't he? It's like, hey, she's not just a problem for you. Guess what? She's a problem for me, and she's a problem for those people. She's actually a problem for the entire kingdom. Here's what happens. What you let into your mind is going to come out of your mouth. The moment you start trashing your spouse or significant other, you've given freedom to those around you to do the same. Right? Right? So this is what happens. You go hang around the guys and you start talking about your old lady. Guess what? You just gave them permission to bash your old lady. Because it's in your mind, now it's going to come out your mouth. 
And all of a sudden, you go to your mom, or you go to your dad, or you go to your mother-in-law, and you say, man, this just isn't working out. And they're like, I told you, he's an idiot. I told you not to get with him. And uh, a dude don't have a job. A dude don't got a career. And yet you said, oh, I love him. He wants to be a musician. Just because he got a guitar, the dude pulled up in an Uber to take you on a date. He doesn't even have his own car. And, and, and you thought it's cool. You thought he's got a future. I'm telling you, it's not. Nothing against Uber. If you're an Uber driver, God bless you. You know, thank you for keeping us safe. But I'm telling you, like, he doesn't have a career. He doesn't have a clue. Of course they're going to tell you, all right? And so here's these guys, this Memekin, he's telling the king exactly what he thinks he wants to hear, okay? This guy's also on the king's payroll. So he doesn't get fired. He doesn't get fired or beheaded. So he's going to tell the king what he wants to hear, all right? And sometimes we do the exact same thing. All right. Verse 17. For should this matter of the queen spread to all the wives, then they would look with contempt on their husbands when it was reported that King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she never came. All of a sudden, he's thinking now, hey, 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 King, it's going to make six Fox News that Vashti didn't come before you. It's going to make social media. It's going to go viral across your kingdom. 172, 120, 76 provinces, they're all going to be in revolt. All the marriages are going to be turned upside down unless we deal with it right now. Can I tell you something? I see a lot of relationships. This is what they do. There's conflict, they freak out. We got to deal with this right now. And, and just to be honest, one of the growth points for me in my marriage was I was that way. I was like, we're not going to bed until this thing is fixed. We're going to fix this. We're going to pray. God's going to save this marriage right now. But honey, like, no, 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 but honey, we, we're staying up. I don't care if it's two o'clock, three o'clock, we'll stay up. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And I'm getting angry and I'm getting more upset because I'm actually tired, you know? And then it's like, it, it's not a big deal. Like really, I was just saying what color we want to paint the kitchen. No, we got to deal with this. And it's not even a big deal, but that's what we do, right? We think it's a big deal. And we're like, we got to deal with this now. And we're going to talk about this with our conflict. Here's where a lot of our struggles are. We think we're going to deal with this. We're going to resolve it until it's done. And all of a sudden, you never set a time limit on it. And guess what happens? You guys end up going and talking. And then a dude, he can just go to sleep like that. It's like a light switch, right? We just go to sleep. It doesn't bother us. We're like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. We can compartmentalize. So while you're over there, just like it's not really finished. The argument's not really finished. You're just out. You're snoring. All of a sudden, she's just like fuming. You know, you hear the bed like going like this, and you hear the pillow smashing. You're like, what is wrong? I, I, what's going on? You know, and she's like, how can you sleep? Our marriage is on the rocks, and you're over there snoring. Like, I just can't believe how insensitive you are. And she's getting all mad and all worked up because women are like spaghetti. Men are like waffles. We can compartmentalize. We can say, hey, I can table it. I'll pick it up in the morning, and we're all good. And there's always that one person that's like, no, 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 we're, it's all raveled. It's all together. We're going we're gonna to deal with this. And I was that person. I was a person that's like, and my wife's like, please, can we go to bed? This isn't going to get better. And it never got better, but I just thought I could make it better. But really, it just got worse and worse the later it went. So here's one little tip. If you say, hey, we're going to talk about this till 10 o'clock, then we're going to pray, we're going to hug, we're going to kiss, and then we're going to pick it back up later. That'll save. Like, that right there was a golden nugget. You're welcome. God bless you. Your marriage just got better. You don't even know it. Because too often, we're like, no, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. Gloves are on. Mouth guards in. You're like, ready for this? Uh-huh. Bring it. You know, you're like stretching. You're like, ready? You ready, baby? Uh-huh. You got your water bottle, you know, and you're like, let's do it. And I'm like, no, you don't have to do it that way. Hey, it's not about fighting fair. It's about fixing the fight to save the relationship. Amen? You see, we got way too many marriages. I used to only do relationship series once a year. But then I would notice how many relationships throughout the year would just blow up in our church. It would just happen. 
And some of you, you're right in the middle of something. And I know you guys look, oh, he's too young. I don't want to take my marriage problem. So I'm like, fine, I'll just teach on it more in the church. We'll just spend more time. So here's this conflict. And all this guy, Mimukin, he's bringing up these solutions. The guy doesn't know anything about a marriage or relationship. And then he goes on. He says, for this matter, if it spreads, it's going to cause chaos. Verse 18, this very day, the noble ladies of Persia and Media who hear the queen's act will say the same thing to all the king's princes. There will, there will be more contempt and wrath. 19, so it pleases the king, let a royal decree be sent by him. Let it be written in the law of the Persians, the Medes, that it may not be altered, that Vashti can never enter the presence of King Ahasuerus, and that the king will give her royal position to another woman who is better than she. Stop just for a second. Where's Vashti in all this? She gets to be in on the dialogue? She gets to be in on the communication? What's happened with her marriage? She's actually over with all the ladies having a party everything's going good she thinks it's fine well he, her husband's over here planning their divorce and some of you're like yeah you're over here you think everything's all good and you're like yeah everything's great and all of a sudden you come home one day and you're like hey uh why are the bags packed yeah we should talk about that hey why are you grabbing your keys yeah we need to talk sometime hey why are you getting in your car hey it's just stuff is happening you didn't even know because it's not addressed it's not you haven't brought the two together and so she has no idea what's going on verse 20 when the king's decree that he shall make is proclaimed throughout all the empire for it is vast then all the wives will give honor to their husbands both the prominent and the lowly all these dudes think they just solved marriages forever and all time by decreeing this law no they didn't they just made things a little bit worse but verse 21 the suggestion pleased the king and the princess of course it did so the king did according to the word of mimikin he sent letters to all the king's province in the script of every province and in the language of every people group bearing the message in the language of the people that each man should rule over his own house that was the big to do they just want to make sure hey we're just reinforcing the man's position and all of a sudden, you see conflict, conflict spills over, and it's interesting that this relational conflict blows up so big, it affects the entire kingdom. Now, here's the parallel. You're going to see throughout this book, we're going to be paralleling Queen Vashti and Queen Esther. Queen Vashti was summoned to come before the king, and she wouldn't do it. Esther wasn't summoned, but she does come. Two totally different types of way of handling conflict, but they both handle conflict, both life-threatening. Both of their conflict impact an entire nation if you're familiar with the story if you're familiar with the book of Esther, you'll see that their marriage impacted the entire nation you don't know the influence your marriage can have on other people your marriage may be the hope that some people need your marriage may be the example of what other people don't want to have Maybe you grew up in a relationship that you saw your parents or you saw people around you and it faltered and fell apart and you feel like you're doomed. I want to give you hope. Maybe you feel like your relationship has gone from soulmates to roommates. I want to give you hope that you can go back from roommates back into soulmates. You can rekindle that. But here's what you need to write down first. It's all about fixing your focus. You say, what do you mean? Fixing your focus. Look at verse number 12 one more time. The very end of the verse says, the king grew very angry and and his wrath burned within him. This guy's furious. He's fuming. Why? Because his wife wouldn't come. His wife wouldn't come right when he called her. And it was very, she did nothing wrong, but I find a lesson here that happens in many of our relationships. We come to the relationship looking for bad things. You say, what do you mean? Oftentimes, we come with the relationship with one or two things. How many know what this is? Magnifying glass. Magnifying glass. I don't know what this is. 
a mirror. How many used one of these today? <laughs> Those of you that didn't, we could tell. I'm just kidding. And, uh, ooh, 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 just waking you up. Just waking you up. I'm not being mean. You're like, I'm not giving today. Yep, offering going back. Uh-huh, yep. But I find that oftentimes in a relationship, you know what we do? We got one of these. We go looking for problems. Uh-huh. I'm looking. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Again, you're lazy. <laughs> Playing video games till 2 a.m. My goodness. I wish I could play video games till 2 a.m. You never change the baby's diaper. Man, good for nothing. You never work on the house. Your day's off. You're just always with the guys. Oh, uh, you don't cook like mom. Man, you look like mom, but you don't cook like mom. Oh, some of you have said that, I know. And uh, you're just going through, and you're just, you're just, man, you don't keep a house like grandma, and you don't make it warm and cozy. You're not intimate with me. You don't love me. And we got one of these in the relationship. Because our focus is fueling our feelings. Your focus, I would write that down. God loves people who take notes. You will have a long and proper and healthy marriage if you will take notes. Amen, says the Lord. And so you take this magnifying glass and you say, hey, this is the way you approach your relationship. You're just with this magnifying glass and you're just looking for issues. Or you can put down the magnifying glass and you can pick up one of these. What's one of these? What does a mirror do? Shows me me. Shows me me, not you. It shows me me. And this would save many a relationship if you walked around with one of these. But what we often do is we say, yeah, I got the mirror. You're looking at it, right? You, 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 come on. Come on. You, I got this mirror. This is what we're doing. Instead of saying, yeah, I, I, I'm a 33-year-old man. What do I need? What am I doing playing video games till 3 a.m.? Like, I get it, like, once in a while, but this is becoming a habit. Man, i showing up late for work. Man, spending no time with my kids. Man, not going to church, not leading my family spiritually. But that's for me. That's for me. That's not her job to hold this up in front of me. It's not her job. It's not her job. You see, it's all about fixing my focus. You see, a lot of times you're handing this tools to your spouse and you think, hey, this will fix them. You see, here's Xerxes burning with anger and he's holding up the magnifying glass over an issue that's not really an issue. And some of you, you're holding up the magnifying glass or you're holding up the mirror. And the relationships that make it, the ones that thrive, the ones that grow are the ones that each spouse is holding the mirror. Each spouse is saying, yeah, I got some room to grow, babe. Yeah, we can make our relationship better. Yeah, we could spend more time together. Yeah, we could get that date night in once a week. Hey, we could get that uh, monthly getaway that we need for our marriage. Let's put some things in. Fix the fight so the relationship wins. It's all about fixing the fight. Some of you, you're like, oh, we never get time together. Have you ever scheduled it? You're whining and griping that your wife never wants to be romantic, but you have not yet said, hey, can we put it on the calendar? I mean, can we schedule a date night? I will get the babysitter. I will pay for whatever you need. You want to get your hair done, your nails done? You want to go do whatever? Pay for it. And all of a sudden, you'll see that, man, things start changing. If you just say, hey, what am I bringing to the relationship? What am I bringing here? Is this good teaching this morning? Is this good? It's amazing what you get out of Esther. It's amazing, isn't it? Many of us, we looked at the book of Esther, and we just think, oh, this is about a a woman who's going to save a country. There's so many marriage principles here. It's amazing. So here's the thing, what happens, and maybe this is you, you don't understand that the male ego can get real ugly, can't it? The male ego can get real ugly. It doesn't take long. That's a louder amen than I was wanting, actually. And um, here's King Ahasuerus, and he has rule over 127 provinces, but he has no rule over his own spirit. Proverbs 28, verse 25 says, a man that does not have rule over his own spirit is like a man broken down. How many men do we know that they have no rule over their own spirit? 
They have no check. They don't know. They just let things go, and they get so angry so fast, and anger destroys relationships. You see, many times you got into a relationship, you didn't understand four stages. We're going to talk about four stages. Please write this down. Stage number one, you got into the first stage of marriage, and this stage is the dream stage. Oh, she's so perfect. He's so perfect. Man, he looks good. She looks good. And you don't see any differences. That's the first stage. You're like, we're, we're so alike. We love the same football team, baseball team. We like to eat the same food. We like to go to the same places. We're like, man, we were made. We're soul mates. Or if you like to go to the gym, we're swole mates. I mean, you're just, you're just like, man, this is, this is the people. This is, this is the person I'm spending the rest of my life with. And that's the dream stage. A dream stage, man, that can last anywhere from the dating right up until you say, I do. But the moment you get on the honeymoon, you're trying to pick a rental car, she's cool with just the SUV. You're like, no, I want the convertible. And all of a sudden, it's, it's like, man, a dream stage just died. It's over. And then you go into the next stage. What's that? This is a disillusionment stage. Disillusionment will set in pretty quick in a marriage. And it'll last for a while. It can actually last as long as you really let it. This is where all you see are the differences. You see, at first, you're in that dream stage where you don't see any difference. Oh, we're perfect. We love each other. And then you get into the disillusionment stage, and then all you see is this. You're just like, all I see is problems. Everywhere's a problem. Everything's a problem. And no longer is it fixable. Now it's like she is just such a big problem. He is such a big problem. What was I thinking about getting into a relationship? You're in the disillusionment stage. This honestly will set in between year three and year five. That's when it's really going to set in. And it'll last usually to about year seven. But about year seven, if you haven't dropped the marriage altogether, you'll go into a third stage, which is called the depth stage. The depth stage, and we're going to put it up on the screen here. This is where you work through the differences. This is when you start saying, you know, we are different. You know, for the longest time in my relation with my marriage, guess what? I was broke. You say, why? I wasn't all that good with finances. And so one day I woke up to the fact that my wife is a savant with finances. I would go to Starbucks and be like, hey, I got you, man. I'll pay for you. Swipe declined. Hey, let me try another one. Swipe declined. And that happened just a few times. I was good. I was good. Hey, baby, can you take over this? Oh, she takes over. I can swipe. And it was good. I was like, I'm buying the whole line. Yes. Drinks on me, you know, and it's just kind of like coffee drinks. All right. And uh, one of those where it it, it was just like, man, I, I, I had money again. I was like, this is crazy. Why? We worked through our differences. And guess what? It was great. Then you get into the new dream stage. The new dream stage is where you celebrate the differences. This is where you're like, thank God that God made us different. Thank God that they have strengths where I have weaknesses, and I have strengths where they have weaknesses. And so we complement each other. That's the the stage. But here, instead, you're going to ruin the stage because why? You're holding up a magnifying glass and not the mirror. You're not saying, hey, God, what are you going to do with about me? But too often, what we do is we look at the other person, and we think it's our job to tell them what to do or how to behave. Would you look at this next part in the message? Please write this down if you would. Verse number 13. The Bible says, Then the king said to the wise men which knew the times. It's interesting. He didn't communicate with his wife. He communicated with his companions. Are you close enough to communicate? Are you close enough to communicate? There was a distance. There was no communication happening. Some of you say, Oh, I got a communication problem. No, you don't. You got a closeness problem. It's not a communication issue. You talk just fine, actually. You, you really have that down. And matter of fact, when you get angry, you actually get poetic. You're really good at communication. All of a sudden, it's just like, whoa, man, become very articulate. Am I not enunciating my words for you? You ever done that? I have. 
I have. Do I need to say it louder? Shall I repeat myself? And all of a sudden, we start acting like this person's now a second grader. They're not. They're not. Many of you are like, no, pastor, I've never done that. Okay, just me. You can judge me then. All right. And so what happened is because we stopped fighting for our future, we started fighting against it. Because the moment we start talking to others about our spouse, you are practicing for singleness. Amen. Just saying. You say, hey, I'm not really too fond of this relationship. Guess what? Just talk, talking about them. And you'll, you're, you're putting, you're, you're, it, it, it's on the end. It's on the end. And, and, and you're saying, hey, we have this disagreement. And the queen and queen are talking to each other. And they didn't work through it. And I really, I almost called this message pillow talk. I almost did. But I didn't because here's what often happens. You're in a relationship and you start looking at that other person. And imagine for a second that there's three pillows. There's one over here and that's her pillow. There's one in the middle and that's the relationship pillow. And then there's one over here and that's his pillow. What often happens is one of the couples will walk over to the other person and step on their pillow and say, hey, you need to eat like this, look like this, dress like this, cook like this, smell like this. But that's not your pillow. It's not your pillow. Or that person would come over here. You don't shower enough. You don't do the laundry enough. You smell. You don't work hard enough. You don't make enough. You don't do this. Wait a minute. That's not your pillow. Now, when we're talking about the relationship, we can both get on the relationship pillow. And now we can deal with it because we're talking about the relationship. Because here's the reality. The day our marriage started to shift, and it wasn't because of me. It wasn't. I wish, I wish I could say, oh, it was all me. Yeah, I'm the real spiritual leader. I try. I'm growing. But no, it was the day my wife decided, you know what? This is my pillow. This is what God has given me. And I'm going to become all that God wants me to become. I'm going to be a daughter of the king. I'm going to be a godly wife. And I'm going to respect a man who I don't really feel like respecting and who doesn't deserve it and who's not earned it. But I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my pillow. And all of a sudden, when I began to see that, guess what I started doing on my pillow? I said, guess what? I can fix some of my bad habits. I can work on my pillow. And then because we both were getting healthier, guess what else got healthier? We could then step onto the marriage pillow and say, hey, what about our marriage? We're, we're, we're gaining ground personally, but what about on this pillow? What can we do better here? Man, we got to get that date night thing down. We need to get parenting. We need to pray together. Hey, we need to spiritually be growing our marriage. How can we invest in it? What are we leading? What are we reading? What are we doing? And so here we got to fight for the future of our relationship. So are you close enough to listen? Please write that down. Are you close enough to listen? King Ahasuerus and Vashti were not close enough to listen. This is really practical. I know you didn't pay for a seminar, but it's just kind of here, and we're just kind of going through it. Actually, you should pay. This is really good, and it's good stuff. So um, God bless you, you know, but are you close enough to listen? Now, write this down. Listening is discovery, not decision. How many have ever done this? You don't have to raise your hand. But while he's talking, you're not listening. You got your answer. And you're tapping your foot. You're just like ready to say something. Because listening is about discovery. Or it could go by, by reverse. It's she's talking and you're just like, come on, I'm ready. You're like lacing up the gloves while she's talking. Mouth guards going in. You're like getting ready to fight. Because listening for you is all about a decision. It's not about discovery. And I will tell you right now, you will change the relationship, nature of your relationship. If you just switch that in your mind that I'm just here to listen. I don't have to decide anything. I'm just here to listen. That's all I'm here to do. Matter of fact, you take that into life. That's huge. That some employee comes in and they got an issue. They got a problem. You don't have to solve it. And some of you, you're so frustrated. You feel like you got to solve everybody's problems. And so you're solving everybody's problems, but your own. 
Because you don't understand that listening is discovery. So are you close enough to listen? Listen is discovery. Also, we jump to a decision to avoid dealing with unpleasant feelings. Here's me. This is me. All right? I'll get my phone. I'll be on my phone. I'll be on my laptop. My wife will come over to me. And um, she's like, hey, we need to talk. Austin got in trouble today. We need to talk about it. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's just get to a solution real quick. You know what actually is going on in my heart? I just don't want to deal with the unpleasant emotion that you're interrupting my day. You're interrupting my, my angry bird fest. I had a high score. And, um, you know, we got to get back to that. That's that, our son. Eh, he'll be fine. There's therapy. And, uh, but this, this, this is good. And um, all of a sudden, I want her to hurry up because I don't want to deal with the unpleasant emotion. Or it's an argument, and I'm just like, let's just get this over with. Like, let, like hurry up. Like, how short can we have this little fight? Like, we're going to fight. Let's fight. But how short? Instead of saying, wait a minute. No, no, no. I'm not here for the fact of I'm trying to avoid. Ju- and so sometimes if you know that person is just like, well, let's just, let's just make a decision. Okay, our son's getting bullied. Let's just pull him out of the school. Like, let's just pull him out. Like, oh, 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 oh you don't like me in that job? Okay, I just, I just quit. Like, wait a minute. No, no, no. That's not a good solution. And sometimes when one of the spouses is frustrated, they just feel like they got to come up with an ultimatum. Like, okay, all right, it's, it's a deal breaker. All right, I won't get a job or I will never hang around that friend because you don't like him. And that's not healthy. Also, here's another one. When it comes to close enough to communicate, we often compromise before we communicate it, and we're dooming our conclusions. Sometimes in the, in the relationship, there's one person. They just capitulate. They're just like, okay, whatever you want, even though it's not healthy for the relationship. Okay, yeah, we'll just do it. Just whatever. Just whatever. And that's not healthy either. It's not good. Then also, sometimes we jump to a conclusion before we've communicated. You ever gone to a doctor's office? And have you ever walked in and you're sitting there, you're going to tell the doctor how you've been hurting, what, what you've been going on, and the doctor walks in and hands you a prescription and says, I'll see you in six weeks, you've got to get blood tests, you need this x-ray, and then you'll be all better, and then walks out? They don't do that. What do they do? They sit down, their little small little chair that's round, they wheel over to you, you grab a popsicle stick, or they grab a little hammer and knock your knee, or they tell you, hey, where's it hurt? And then what do they do? They just Listen. And you say, oh, doctor, man, it's been hurting right here, and I've been feeling like vomiting. Oh, your appendix is probably ruptured, then that could be one thing. Or, or, or doctor, you know, I just I haven't been able to grip with my right arm. Well, your arm is missing, sir, and, um, you know, uh, that could be it. Uh, you know, but usually they listen before they make a diagnosis. Usually that's what they do. And so we need to do the same thing in the relationship. Some of you are like, hey, here's the prescription, and the other spouse doesn't feel heard or listened to and you wonder why there's frustration in the relationship, it's because there isn't this listening that's going on. Also, are you clear enough to compromise? Are you clear enough? Have you, have you been clear enough in your communication to come up with a good compromise? Sometimes we don't spend that much time. Also, are you committed enough to self-correct? Are you committed enough to the relationship to self-correct? Because sometimes we're not that committed to, to self-correct. Sometimes we're over here on our pillow and we're just like, no, 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 I'm not gonna change. I'm just not going to change. Like, this is just how I am. I'm never going to change. But are you willing? Are you committed to the relationship? Are you willing to fight for it to the point where you say, hey, I'm committed to fight for the future of our relationship. So I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to self-correct. Because there are times when there are things in your relationship and you are the problem. And this mirror, you're seeing it and you're like, no, I just don't want to correct that. And that's why I think it is wonderful where you get in the word of God and you're like, God, just show me me. Just show me me. And that's what's wonderful where you need to come to God and say, hey, God, what am I missing about me? What am I not seeing in this situation? And then thirdly, we got to wrap things up. I'm going a little bit long. Don't make your findings final. 
Verse number 19, Vashti's not even there, but the Bible says that they uh, made a decision where Vashti was not allowed to be to ever come before the king, and her royal estate was given unto another that was better than she. How sad is that? Now, he makes a final decision, but real quick, I want you to notice chapter 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, after these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti. That's his way of saying he regretted the decision he made. You make a decision in haste, you make it, and all of a sudden, you're going to find that you're going to regret that decision. He regretted it. He regretted the decision that he made. So sometimes in the relationship, you need to have a theme. Uh, there, there are some of you, you're like, when I go to the gym, I got my, I got my workout song. Or, or some of you, you're like, oh, man, I got this fight song, and I just love this. What is the theme? What's the, what's the theme of your relationship? Is your theme of your relationship one of restoration? Where, hey, it's a restorative relationship. We want to work on these things. We want to grow. Or is the theme of yours resentment? You just can't ever get over anything that's happened. So we're saying, hey, I want to work on the relationship. And I want to see what God will do. You see, you're going to see in this next several weeks, and I want you to come back, clear your schedule, and come back. And I know today's going to be kind of harder on the guys, so ladies, next week, I'm coming after you a little bit, you know, and uh, today has been kind of all on the guys, and all the ladies are like, oh, good, I have better things to do, you know? I think I got to clean stuff out of my toenails or something, you know? And uh, you're just like, I will schedule something else. But no, no, this is something where, where yes, we want the men to be strong, not to be so ego-driven, but then at the same time, you're going to see that Vashti probably could have handled things differently. Because you're going to see Esther, even in the crisis, if you're familiar with the story, she calls a banquet for the king. And the king says at the banquet, okay, Esther, what do you want? And Esther says, let me have another banquet with you. She knew her husband wasn't ready to have the news. And some of us were like at the door just waiting for him to get in. Like as soon as he gets in the garage, bam, just knock him down with everything. My day's been terrible, so yours is going to be terrible too. And you're just, and the husband walks in like, what did I just walk into? And he just wants to turn around, close the door, get back in his car. He's like, I'll just do another 10 hours of work. I might as well make some money. You know, if I'm going to be grumpy, I might as well be making money while I'm going to be grumpy, right? But yet Esther handles it in such a way. And it was a crisis situation. It was a crisis. She could die and her people could be uh, just exterminated. But she handles it in such a way. We're going to learn that. We're going to walk through this. So you coming back? You coming back? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We've got to wrap things up. I know it's a different type of format, but let's stand. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing. Father, I, I desperately want to see stronger relationships, stronger marriages. There's so much to be said on the topic and on the subject, and there's just not enough time to cover everything we want to cover. But God, I pray that our church would have stronger marriages. We'd have stronger relationships. That people right now that are thinking, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get serious with this guy or this girl, and they have the right information that they need to make wise decisions. The relationships that we have and the relationship in this passage really affected an entire nation. And if we could understand that our our marriage and our relationships are there's so much more to it than what we see and i pray that you would help us i pray that this would be one where we don't look at the series as oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna learn all the things i did wrong but i hope it's something where we restore hope that wait a minute i can uh, there's some things that i can do well there's things i can grow in and i just pray that you would help us father i pray that you would strengthen marriages with every head bowed and every eye closed the band is going to begin to just quietly play but maybe you're in here and you're like, I'm dealing with some conflict, Pastor, and I don't really know how to ha- handle it, and I need some wisdom and help. And maybe it's in a relationship, maybe it's your child, or maybe it's a job, and you're saying, hey, I need some prayer over this relationship. And if that's you, just slip up your hand so I can pray for you. Is that you? Amen. I see hands up all over the room. God bless you. 
I just want to pray for you, that God would bless you, God would give you strength to deal with the conflict. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. Oh, I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray that we would be drawn closer to you. I pray that we would experience a, a new depth in our relationship. I pray that we'd get through these stages. We'd really sense that we're, we're moving past the disillusionment stage. and We're really adding some depth into our relationship. And I pray that we'd have stronger marriages. So grateful and thankful for what you're doing. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.